Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. As we begin today, we're going to actually start by saying our infinitum prayer together. The words are going to be on your screen, and I would invite you to join me in these three postures of the infinitum prayer. Let's pray. I choose to hold up my hands as a symbol of surrender. My life is not about me. I surrender to your lordship. I surrender my preferences, prejudices, and position to you. My fears, finances, friends, and family to you. I choose to hold out my hands as a symbol of generosity. What I have is not mine. I am only a steward of all that you have given me. I want to mirror the way that you opened your hand to us and lavished your love and life upon us. I want to live an open-handed life in a closed-fist culture. And I choose to hold my hands forward as a symbol of mission. I want to live for something greater than me. I want to embrace your kingdom mission. I want to embrace and welcome your mission to the lost, last, least, and lonely. To the poor, powerless, privileged, and persecuted. Amen. I don't know about you, but every time I pray that prayer, it it does something for me. The words, the posture, the the practice of it, every time I do it, I just feel this this stirring in my heart. I feel comforted. I feel compelled. I feel challenged. It feels a lot like the Holy Spirit to me when I pray that prayer. I'll confess, I haven't prayed this prayer every single day for the month of November like we set out to do, but I did pray it a whole lot more than I would have otherwise had we not put out that challenge. And I'm always glad that when I do. And I hope the same has been true for you. As we start this message today and and end this series today, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that this wasn't the original stewardship series that we planned. As some of you may or may not know, I actually take a week every summer to plan out all the sermons, all the series that we do for any given kind of academic year. I I plan that out in the summer. And I did that this last summer. I took a week in July to think and and to pray and to plan uh, for what it seemed like God wanted to say to us as a community. And I put all those plans together. And then, you know, we started in on it. But it was sometime in October. I was on a run, 
And often when I go running, I listen to, to podcasts. And on this particular day, that's what I was doing. I listened to this podcast and on it was a woman who was talking about this infinitum life idea, about these prayers these postures, these practices that, that connect us to the infinite, unknowable, immeasurable love of God. And I, I have to tell you, as I listened to her speak, it spoke to my heart so clearly. I just knew this was something I needed to pay attention to. The thing is, I, I've told some of you this before, uh, something that uh, the president of Princeton Seminary, Craig Barnes, said many years ago that has always stuck with me. He said about it about himself, and it, it's, it's certainly true for me. He said, you know, the only sermon I have to preach is the one that I need to hear. So I got back from that run, and, and I looked at the stewardship series that, that we had planned, and, and it was good. It was fine. It was kind of just on basic, you know, biblical principles for money management. I looked at it, and I just went, that's not right. I knew that, that what I needed to hear was something different, and my sense is that what our community needed to hear was something different. Not, not what was there, but rather this invitation to the, the experience of God in this overwhelming, overflowing way. We needed to be filled. We needed to be poured into, and so that we would have something to pour out from. Because here's the thing. Here's the truth. For me and Jonathan, our goal isn't to get your money. It's really not. God, in fact, doesn't need your money. God is God. God can do whatever God wants with or without our money. This is God's church, and God is able to do immeasurably, abundantly, far more than all we can ask or even imagine. So God doesn't need your money. But God does want your heart. God desires to draw all people into this infinitum life that is so much richer, so much better than any life that we could create for ourselves. Giving your money, it's a part of that, but it's also so much more than that. As we've talked throughout this series, the infinitum life is one that is rooted in love, rooted first in the knowledge that we are loved, that we are loved in a way that we can barely wrap our minds around. We are loved, and once we know that, receive that, experience that, then we turn and we love. We love God and we love our neighbor. Just like Jesus said, it's the most important thing, the love of God and the love of one another. That's the reason we're given these tools, these postures of surrender, generosity, and mission. It's so that we can live this life that Jesus has called us to. Surrendering to Jesus, saying yes to his call, step by step by step. Surrendering and then Giving, giving generously, recognizing and responding how generously God has given to us. And then finally today, living out God's mission to the lost, least, and the lonely, the poor, powerless, privileged, 
and persecuted. So that's what we're going to focus on today. In his book, The Hole in Our Gospel, former president of World Vision, Rich Stearns, writes these words. He says, being a follower of Jesus requires much more than just having a personal and transforming relationship with God. It also entails a public and transforming relationship with the world. We are carriers of the gospel, the good news that was meant to change the world. Belief is not enough. Worship is not enough. Personal morality is not enough. And Christian community is not enough. God has always demanded more. When we commit ourselves to following Christ, we also committed to living our lives in such a way that a watching world would catch a glimpse of God's character, his love, justice, and mercy through our words, through our actions, through our behaviors. You know, we who know the love of God in Jesus Christ are to live in such a way that that those in the world who don't know Jesus, who don't know his love, would see him in us. And Jesus tells us how we make God's love known to the world as we feed the hungry, as we give drink to the thirsty, as we welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, care for the sick, and visit the prisoner. So how do we do all that? Where, where do we even start? Well, it seems to me it all starts with asking God to give us three things. We ask God to give us eyes that see, to give us hearts that break, and we ask God to give us hands to help. Eyes that see, hearts that break, and hands to help. If we want to make Jesus' love known, we would do well to love our neighbors to love those neighbors in need. And if we, if we want to love those neighbors in need, the first thing we have to do is see those neighbors in need. All meaningful mission starts with eyes that see. Caring begins with our eyes. Preacher and theologian Helmut Thielicke writes these words. He says, love always seizes my eyes first and then the hand. If I close my eyes, my hands, too, remain unemployed, and and finally my conscience falls asleep, for this disquieting neighbor has disappeared from my sight. If we want to love our neighbor well, the, the first thing we need to do is make the choice to see our neighbor well. It's one of the reasons we we send people on on mission trips to some of the the neediest places on earth. We want you to have that chance to see, to see that, that, that refugee mom and her baby that have made that long trek on foot from Sudan all the way to Cairo. To, to see and hear the story of the man who's struggling to, to put food on his table for his family outside of Belize City to witness the devastation wrought by drug and alcohol addiction and and to see the new lives that start from recovery programs at City Team. If we want to love our neighbor, first thing we need are eyes that see. 
And then when we see, when we, when we really see, when we see that, that hungry man, that hurting family, the, the exploited woman, the orphan child, when we really see the need, well, quite often the second thing just happens. Our hearts, they break. Another former president of World Vision, in fact, the, the founder of World Vision, famously prayed. He said, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. I know for some of you, I've, I've quoted that prayer before, and some of you have told me it's kind of catches you off guard a little bit. You're like, I, I'm not sure that's the kind of prayer I, I want to pray. I don't know that I want to pray that my heart would be broken. And that makes sense. I mean, none of us really want to be in pain. Why would we ask God for a broken heart? But I'll tell you, it's, it's for those of us who've experienced it, those of us who, who have lived that, that experience of having your heart broken by the things that, that breaks God's heart, it's, it's actually, kind of paradoxically, one of the very best things that could ever happen. It's no coincidence, I think, that uh, just this last Thursday, as I was actually kind of struggling to write this message, I, I had this opportunity, this minute, to just kind of have a conversation with one of the members of our church. Uh, he'd came, come in to do something here in the building, and we just ended up chatting, and it, it came up. He, he started talking about the mission trips that he'd gone on, many of them, over the years in his time here at Paoli told me about a trip to upstate New York after a, a terrible snow and hailstorm that kind of just decimated a whole town. A group of them went up and rebuilt a, a farmer's barn. Told me about trips, several trips, that he, he took to North Carolina after various hurricanes to, to go help restore and rebuild people's houses. And over and over again in this conversation, his eyes, they, they welled with tears as he remembered the names and the faces and the stories of the people that, that they were able to come alongside and help. And the thing he kept telling me over and over again as he told me these stories is he just said, oh, it changed my life. It changed my life. I was just doing my job. I was just working and, and, and thinking and living all for me. And then I go and I, I met these people and it changed my life. changed his life because on those trips, his heart was broken by the things that break God's heart. And I will tell you for certain, he wouldn't have it any other way. You know, the same thing could be said about Ellen Burnham. Ellen's one of our elders here at Paoli, and she's very involved in our mission program. She serves on the mission team. She's traveled to Egypt several times to visit our mission partners there, and she is the, the, the backbone, I would say. She had a couple others for our Wonder of Christmas program. She is the one that makes that whole thing work. Because Ellen had eyes to see and a heart that she allowed to break, Ellen has offered her hands to serve in beautiful and in inspiring and incredible ways. Ellen makes sure that, that every single kid in our community gets to experience a little bit of the joy of Christmas. And I want Ellen to, to tell you about that in her own words. 
You know, Jesus said to welcome and to feed and to clothe and to love your neighbor. And I think this does that. The Wonder of Christmas is the largest local mission outreach project of Paley Presbyterian. It is something that has grown over the years. I've been involved probably now for almost 20 years and it, and it has become a community event. We have over, probably over 200 volunteers when all is told at the end of the evening, evening um, serve a meal, uh, join in fellowship. Uh, this year will be a little different, but it still it gives our community, our church community, a tangible opportunity to give of themselves to someone else. A woman came in looking for food. Food, is the food closet open? You know, is there any way I could get something? And so, um, thankfully, I have a key. So we, we got her set up, and um, in talking with her while we were working to get her food, I learned that she was now a single mom with six kids, only had two of them in beds. Her husband had left and she was really struggling. She had just come from a job interview, trying to, knowing that she had to go back to work, and it, it was hard. Um, three of them, preschool age, and so, long story short, we connected her with the furniture ministry, got her a bed. We, we went out and got her some sheets and blankets and things, and then added her to the wonder of Christmas. Put her, got her a form, we filled it all out, um, and we're able to include her in the process. And um, yeah, I mean that, I think for her in that season was life-changing. In our weekly service, we tell our children um, every week, you're beautiful, God loves you, and we love you too. And this, this is a tangible way to extend that to the community. especially this year where so many are, are out of work. Maybe, you know, an extra Barbie doll under the Christmas tree um, where they might not have anything. So that, that does something for me. There's, a, there's just a lot of love in that evening. So it, it, and it's fun, you know. We have the great privilege of loving our neighbors well when we have eyes to see, hearts that break, and hands that serve. And just as Jesus taught us, as Ellen confirmed for us, and I know so many of you have your own stories to tell as well, when we love and serve our neighbor, we know that we're loving and serving Jesus himself. You know, we started out this whole series with Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. Our prayer for the church here at Paoli. His prayer that says, I pray that you may have the power, the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Paul prayed, and, and we are praying, that we might come to know and experience the infinitum love of God. And that is what we've been seeking through this whole series. But as we close, as we close this message and we close this series, as we close the book on this year's stewardship campaign, I, I want us to look at one more thing that Paul prays. Praise this, he says, now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be all glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want you to think about this for a second. Paul prays this while he's in chains, quite possibly in prison. But he's not thinking about his, his limitations. He is giving thanks to the God who can do abundantly, immeasurably far more than all we can ask or even imagine. A writer named Cheryl Forbes once said that people who live imaginative lives are what-if people. They respond to ideas and events with a what-if attitude. They behave in what-if ways. What-if is a big idea. What-if is a God-sized idea, for it is the practice of our God. This is our God. Our God thinks, what if I make a universe? What if, what if I make people in my own image? What if, when they sin and they turn away, what if I don't give up on them? And I'll confess, sometimes I, I sit in my office here at the church for too long and I, I get closed in on by my own limitations, by my own problems. I get preoccupied with my own agenda, my own inadequacies. And in those moments, it helps me to walk outside, to remember how big the world is how big our God is, and, and how small I am. And try to imagine, again, what God is doing in this great, big world that he created. You know, we are asking everybody to make your 2021 pledge, to, to fill out your card or to get online and, and let us know how you can be part of financially supporting the ministry of Paoli Presbyterian Church in this coming year. We're asking everybody to do that sometime by the end of this week. So it seemed like a good opportunity today to go outside for a little bit. Just so we could all think for a little bit, not, not about ourselves, but about this world that God loves so much. And it might help a little bit to go outside and ask some of those what-if questions. So let's do that together. So here I stand at 225 South Valley Road and just doing a little imagining. I'm imagining, what if? What if God had never led that little group of people to start this church? Over 120 years ago in that little chapel, it was at that time 
located just a little bit up the road. And then about 60 years ago, when they brought that not-so-little church here to begin reaching more people. What if they hadn't done that? You know, then so many people, people like Ellen Burnham, people like the Borfel family, people like Tom and Janet O'Reilly, and, and so many others, they, they wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here, and I, I can't imagine it. And then I think of all the people who put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ here. It's just reality. I think of all the marriages that got their start here. I think of the marriages that were troubled, that got healed here. I think about so many funerals where somebody lost someone they dearly loved and had a church family come around them and comfort them here. Think about the people who discovered that they had a spiritual gift here, that God had given them a gift. I, I think about people who used that gift when they saw a need in the world and they changed their job or they changed what they did with their financial resources. They, they changed their lives in response to seeing that need. I think about people who were at the end of their rope. People who had a, a substance addiction or had been terribly abused or just deeply depressed. And they found hope here. They found a healing community here. Think about all the people whose eternal destinies have been changed. And I am so glad that there's a church here. I'm so glad that 120 years ago there were some people who had the courage and faithfulness to say yes to God's great what if. Because now there's a church here. And I get to be a part of it. And you get to be a part of it. But you know, it's really, really good to come outside sometimes. To come outside the building and remember that, that what God has going on inside that building, all the good that God has going on inside, God wants to use that good outside the building to bless all those on the outside good to come outside and ask, what if? What if we, all of us, were to, to fully and truly surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? What if we really gave our lives to him? What if, what if we gave generously, just opened our hands and gave a portion of the abundance that God has blessed us with? And what if, what if we looked out on our world and we saw, we saw every single person, every single person, the way that God sees every single person. And what if we loved them and served them as if we were loving and serving Jesus himself? We need to do some imagining, my friends, because God wants to do way more than all we could ever even ask 
or imagine. So one more thing. Imagine with me. Imagine with me that the day comes that you die. And that day is going to come for all of us. You die, but you don't actually taste death because Jesus actually promised that those who trust in him will never taste death. Death for you is more like walking through a door. You walk through it, and on the other side, there's Jesus. Imagine that. And imagine, as you, you walk across the finish line of heaven, there's all kinds of people around you. People on your right and on your left. And they're all saying, they're saying, Hey, hey, hey Jesus, this person right here. They're pointing at you. They say, this, this person right here, th this person's actually part of the reason I'm here in heaven. Because this person right here, they, they noticed me. And they cared about me. This person, I, I was hungry and, and they fed me. This, this person, I was lonely and they visited me. This person, I, I was unsure and they helped me. You could play a part in that. You know, you, you could lead a small group. You could help some people find a place to belong and to grow and, and literally change their eternity. You could be part of children's ministry and, and shape the life and faith of a child forever. You could lead one of our mission endeavors. You could volunteer with our students. You can give some portion of your financial resources to support all of those ministries and more. You can be part of changing a life. You can be part of changing the world. So going back to that picture in heaven, imagine. Imagine every member of this church, every member of, of the church is there in heaven with you. All of us from across the decades, across the, the centuries, people who we love who came before us, people who are going to come after us, people we will never meet until that day in heaven, our grandchildren's grandchildren who are going to live long after we've gone. We're there. You're standing in that great cloud of witnesses and our friend Jesus looks at all of us and he says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servants. So you know, that's what's going to happen. And imagine when it does. When Jesus looks at us and says those words, how we will respond. And all hearts and all voices will come together and say, Now to him, who by the power at work within us is able to do immeasurably more that all we could ever ask or imagine to him be all glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.